the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to In the Word, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. We hope that God speaks to you today as we continue our study verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible with Senior Pastor Will Ramirez. Today as we continue our study in the book of 1 Samuel, Saul follows Samuel's instructions and sees the three signs confirming that God has chosen him to be the new king. We'll pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 10 verse 6. Once again that's 1 Samuel chapter 10 verse 6. Frequently, I'll have people come to me, and they're a little bit of a panic at times. And they say, Pastor Will, you know, I was talking to somebody, and I didn't know how to answer their questions. And I think, oh, yeah. welcome to the club. You're always going to run into someone who has more skill than you, or has more education than you, more information than you. Just because you lost one argument, or you didn't have an answer to some, what someone brought up, that doesn't mean they're right. There's nothing wrong with having to go and say, you know, I need to go back and get more information. We may have skill sets, but there's always going to be someone out there who has more skill sets than you. That's why it's so important that we don't operate in our own skill sets. We operate in supernatural skill sets. You know, I remember the text from John chapter 9 where you've got the man who was born blind and they're questioning him, questioning him, questioning him, questioning him. And finally he goes, you know, why do you keep asking me the same questions? He goes, is it because you want to be his disciple too? Oh, and that made them so mad. He said, who are you to say that to us? We follow Moses. We're educated. We're trained. We have all the information. We know the scriptures. You were born in sin. You lecture us. Oh, glorify the Lord because, you know, we know this man is not from God. I love the guy's answer. He goes, listen, whether this guy is a prophet or not, I don't know. All I know is this. I used to be blind and now I can see. Has it ever been told that someone opened the eyes of the blind without the Lord? Have you ever known somebody to do that? They're dumbfounded. The only choice they had was to excommunicate him because they had nothing to say. This is a guy who's not educated, doesn't have the skill set to go to battle with these guys, but something's changed in his life and he's responded to it. And the Holy Spirit revealed something to him, put something in his heart. And so, I love it. Here we see Saul who's not trained. He's not schooled. He's not educated in how to be a preacher. And yet the Holy Spirit will be that overpowering force to replace his common force. If God's calling you to something, don't ever say no because you say, well, I don't have the right skill set for that. I don't think I'll succeed. Well, you're right. You won't succeed if you're going to tackle it on your own. But if the Lord's calling you where God guides, he provides, right? If he calls you to something, he equips you to do it. And so he tells him, he says, Saul, you're not going to watch this parade and think to yourself, 
I've got something to say as well, but I'm not so sure if this is the place. No, Saul's going to suddenly become empowered by the Spirit of God to do something he could not have done before, and he's going to walk right out there, and he's going to join him. And he tells him, you shall be turned into another man. The word there, turned, means to be changed, to be transformed. Now, all of us here have a story, right? I mean, if you're born again, you have a story, some type of story. Your story might not be as dramatic as Saul's. There was a parade of prophets, and you joined them all of a sudden. But many of us have had moments in our lives where decisions were made to yield to the Lord, and you were never the same afterward. You know, we have those moments where we, my old pastor used to call it driving a stake, driving a stake in the ground, where you're, you're saying, I'm, I'm going forward from this point. I'm never going back beyond this place again. Probably all of us here have something like that in our lives. And some of you may have had multiple times in your life where you've kind of made that decision to yield to the Lord and your life was never, ever the same. It doesn't have to be dramatic like Saul's where you were prophesying with a bunch of Bible college students or something like that or ministers. But you have moments when you drove a stake and you said, Lord, I'm making a change. And it's not so much that you made the change, but you made a decision to yield to the Lord and then he changed you, right? And that's what happened to Saul here. In this moment, Saul would finally buy into God's call for his life. And instead of living life on his own terms, he'd make a choice to live a supernatural life in service to the Lord. And anytime you do that, you know, whether it's with a specific area of your life or with your entire life, anytime you make that type of decision, you're never the same afterwards. Well, Samuel then in verse 7 begins to instruct Saul on what to do after he sees these three signs, after he has changed into another man. Verse 7, and let it be when these signs are come unto you that you do as occasion serve you, for God is with you. And you shall go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto you to offer burnt offerings, to offer sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shall you tarry, wait for me, till I come to you and show you what you shall do. So, Verse seven, we'll start here. Let it be, which means let it happen. Let the Lord have his way in you. This is emphatic in the Hebrew. It's one of the most important parts of this verse. Let the Lord have his way in you when these signs are coming to you. When you see all the proofs of what I'm telling you, let the Lord do what he wants to do in and through you. And then do as occasion serve you, as you find in your hand is what that phrase means. In other words, when God gives you this message to share, don't doubt Share it. Obey the Lord. Whatever God empowers you to do in that moment, do it, for God is with you. Now, this would feel so crazy for Saul. He's not trained. He's not educated. He's not a preacher. And yet the Lord says, when he calls you to do this and he puts the message in your heart, go and speak it because the Lord is with you. Listen, do you know that tonight? That the Lord is with you? that he loves you and that he has a good plan for your life. Listen, don't doubt it when he's telling you to do something. Maybe you're a husband here tonight, you know, and, and maybe, you know, the Lord's saying, hey, I want you to do this with your family. I, this is how I want you to lead them in the word of God, or this is how I want you to lead them in prayer. Don't doubt that that's the Lord. Don't think, well, that's a silly thought, or that's a dumb thought. You know, who am I? Who cares who you are? The Lord is with you. He's on your side. And if he's calling you to do it, then no matter how inadequate you feel, no matter how silly it seems, God is with you. Trust him, obey him, and let the Lord have his way in you. Now, 
After all these signs occur, Saul will be empowered by God's Spirit to lead the nation, not just to preach a message. He will never be the same. But Samuel makes one last important point to him, one last set of instructions. Saul, you may be empowered to be the king, but you will never be the supreme ruler in Israel. That's God's role. So Saul, you're not going to take on all duties. You're still going to need to be a submitted man. And you need to leave the priestly duties to the priests and the spiritual leadership to me. Verse 8. And you shall go down before me to Gilgal. Gilgal is in the Jordan River Valley near Jericho. This was Israel's first camp when they entered the Promised Land. It remained their base of operations throughout the conquest of the Promised Land. And it was still a common meeting place for the nation, especially when they were going to war. So it's possible that this would be when they would begin their war against the Philistines. That's remember chapter 9, God had told Samuel, I'm going to raise this guy up to rescue you from the Philistines. So it's very possible that's what this is talking about here in Gilgal. He says, and when you go down to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto you to offer burnt offerings and a sacrifice, sacrifices of peace offerings. Wait for me for seven days until I come, and after that I'll tell you what you should do. Now, No reason or timing is given for this event, so I don't know if my guess about getting ready to attack the Philistines is correct. But whatever's going on here, whenever it happens, Saul was supposed to lead the people there, but wait seven days for Samuel to arrive before doing anything, before starting anything. Because Samuel would lead the meeting and tell Saul his role in it. God will be with Saul as king. But Saul still needed to submit himself to spiritual authority. Israel's kings would never be the end-all, be-all figure in the nation. Never. At least not until the Messiah, the one who would be prophet, priest, and king, until he would come to fill that role. What's interesting, though, is if you know the history of the kings of Israel, is that time and time again, Israel's kings, even their good ones, overstepped in this area. They constantly were interfering in the temple, constantly trying to do priestly duties. If you remember, it was King Uzziah who got very prideful and he decided to do the priestly duties. Remember, God turned him into a leper. He was a good king. He wasn't a bad king, but his heart was lifted up. He saw himself as that end-all, be-all figure in the nation. And if even good kings were doing that under God's leadership, is it any wonder that we see leaders overstep their authority still today? that we see them take on a bit of a Messiah complex or they take on this idea that they are the end-all, be-all, and they let the power go to their heads. Listen, when you have power, there's always a temptation to take more power, which is why no government will be perfect until the Lord returns to reign. No system can keep that power fully in check from the hearts of men, not until the Lord returns to reign. His system will be the best because... His heart can't be tempted by any of those things because he already has all power, right? Till then, the best leaders are those who exhibit humility, those who defer to the Lord's instructions. And that applies to government authorities, spiritual authorities, work authority, and family authorities. And so I ask you, if you're in a position of authority in any of those places, does that describe your leadership mentality? that you defer to the Lord's instructions, that you lead with humility. Well, verse 9, let's see how it all pans out. Samuel predicts this, and it was so, verse 9, that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, that God gave him, Saul, another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. I kind of wanted more information, but the Lord doesn't give us 
more information except for the third sign. We'll get to that in a second. But I love it here that it says that the Lord gave him another heart. The phrase there, it means to change the essential form or nature of something. I don't have the ability to change my heart. I do have the ability to change my mind. The Bible tells us to do that. It says, the Lord says, come, let us reason together, right? I have the ability to change my mind. This is where we find a lot of this confusion between what we would call free will and the sovereignty of God. Those who really believe absolutely strongly in the sovereignty of God, they confuse the scriptures that talk about our hearts with our minds. The Bible doesn't say that God controls our minds. The Bible doesn't say that our mind is in bondage to sin. The Bible says that it is affected by the fall, but we still have the capacity to choice. And so it tells us to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called the sons of God. That being true, I don't have the ability to change myself. I don't have the ability to change even my heart. The Bible says the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can know it? I can't even understand my own heart, let alone change it. So while I can change my mind and God commands me to change my mind, that's what repent means. It means repentance. The word means to change your mind. So God commands me to change my mind, but his promise is when I do that, he will change my heart. When I humble myself and I decide to be obedient to the Lord, I may not have the ability to change my whole attitude towards the Lord, my heart towards the Lord. I don't have the ability to actually fulfill what I'm saying I'll do. But when I humble myself and decide to obey the Lord, God gives me grace. He pours out his grace upon me and he transforms my heart. So it's important when you pray or when you're committing things to the Lord, I say, oh God, please help me to make better decisions than that. The Lord, he doesn't do that for us. We make the choices. And then he comes alongside and he undergirds those choices. It's so important for us to make those clear decisions. I catch myself even sometimes when I'm praying, the Lord help me so I can be a better dad and I can do this. And I sense that Lord just in that still small voice saying, well, I will help you, but you've got to make some different choices, right? And when I do, every time I do, the Lord undergirds that decision. He gives me the grace that's needed to transform my life and transform my heart so I can be what I'm choosing to be in obedience to him. Saul, at this point in time, he could have made excuses to reject Samuel's words. He could have chosen to disbelieve Samuel's words. He could have done any number of things at this point, but he chose to believe the Lord. And when he did, God gave him another heart. You say, well, it doesn't say that. Well, how do you know he chose to believe Samuel's words? Well, we know he did because Saul went where Samuel told him to go. He didn't go straight home. He went to Rachel's tomb first. And then he went to this other place where three guys were on their way to Bethel. And then finally he went home. That's not a straight line if you look at a map. So Saul went where Samuel told him to go. And everything happened just like Samuel said it would happen. Now, the only one that's mentioned in detail is the third sign. So verse 10. And when they came thither to the hill, to Gabeah, his hometown, behold, a company of prophets met him, just like Samuel said. It says a company of prophets met him. The word literally means happened upon him. Just like God said, it looked like happenstance to him, but it was all orchestrated by the Lord. And the spirit of God came upon him, Saul, and he prophesied among them. Saul joined in their procession for a bit because he sensed the Lord's leading and he preached just like they were. Now verse 11 shows the city's reaction to Saul preaching. 
And it came to pass when all that knew him before time, they knew him before this moment, they saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then those people said one to another, what is this that has come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Now, this is not a real question. This is a derogatory statement meant to communicate that Saul's life didn't match up with what they saw from the man who was in the midst of all these other prophets right now. Saul didn't go to the schools. Is this really Saul? I mean, I've, Saul's never preached in his life. I've, in fact, I never even thought he was a spiritual man. So it's a derogatory remark. What's he doing out there? This doesn't seem to make any sense. But one person pipes up to defend Saul, verse 12. And one of the same place answered and said, but who is their father? Therefore, it became a proverb, is Saul also among the prophets? What is he saying, but who is their father? Well, being a prophet wasn't hereditary. It wasn't linked to a specific tribe or family like the priesthood was. These were Men who had come from all sorts of different tribes. They weren't Levites or just Benjamites or whatever. They had come from everywhere. It was an appointment by the Lord. And so when he's saying, yeah, but who is their father? He's saying, if God gifted these men with the ability to teach, why couldn't God pick Saul too? And this silenced the critics so much that this reply became a saying in Israel, anyone, someone had a radical change of heart. In other words, if Bob all of a sudden had this radical change and he'd become a different guy, and people are going, I don't, I don't buy it. I can't, I, and they would say, oh yeah, is Saul also among the prophets? That was a saying they would give. And so when they would see something like that, they'd go, oh, yeah, that's right. God can do anything. He can change anybody. That was the proverb that became in Israel. It's interesting. Paul used the same argument. Paul the apostle used the same argument to prove that God can save anyone. For he too had been changed from the old Saul to a new man. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. I love what Paul says here. He is urging Timothy to be faithful because he says, Timothy, I left you at Ephesus to pastor the church while I was gone for what I thought was just a very short season. But I am not going to get back to you in the time I thought I was going to. And I'm writing this letter so you can know how to be a good pastor, so you can know how to conduct yourself in the church to lead them. And he encourages this very timid young man who's nervous about his leadership role there, doesn't feel quite capable. And he says, listen, if God picked me and he changed me, he can pick you and use you. Verse 12 of chapter one, he says, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor. I was injurious. The word there means insolent. I mean, I was just an arrogant fool. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant. It was overflowing with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. God did so much in my life. And so this is a faithful saying. It's worthy of everyone to accept it. No one should deny this truth. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I am the worst one that ever lived. Howbeit, that's okay. Because for that reason, I obtained mercy. God showed mercy to the chief of sinners that in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering. He would show everyone how patient he is for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Timothy, if God can change me, and if he can raise me up like this after all I did, he can use you. He can use anyone. 
doesn't matter who you've been. doesn't matter who you are right now. If you will change your mind, God will change who you will become. That's why it's called good news. It's not bad news. Like if you ever come to church and you feel like it's, oh, that's just bad news. If you're saved and you're feeling like it's bad news, then either somebody communicated something incorrectly or you misunderstood it. Either way, something wrong happened because it's great news. I go to bed every night knowing that I am my beloved's and he is mine. Do I always feel that way? No. But the Bible says when our hearts condemn us, praise God, God is greater than our hearts because he knows all things. I don't know all things. He knows all things. So when I'm feeling a certain way and it's strong and overwhelming, I can say when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to a rock that is higher than me. I'm not on a place that's the highest place I can be. I might look out and from, I might think I can see a whole lot. I might think I can really read the situation. And it might look like bad news. <laughs> but David, he said, lead me to a rock that's higher than me. Lead me to a place where you are, where you see everything. And so I don't have to depend upon how I see things or how I feel about things. But I can see it through your eyes. I can see it because you've revealed it in your word. Lead me to a rock, a stable place that's higher than I. You who know all things. It's good news. It's great news. Well, back in 1 Samuel chapter 10, after this event occurs, Saul finally reconnects with family. He goes into the town, 1 Samuel 10, verse 13. And when he had made an end of prophesying, he came to the high place, the worship center. And when he finished... It says that Saul's uncle said unto him and to his servant, Whither went you? Where you been, man? Now, Saul's uncle here is a man named Ner. It doesn't tell us why Saul went to the worship center first instead of going to his house first. But his uncle apparently stayed after this worship event was over. And he is Saul's first contact with a family member. And he tells him, he says, Where you been, man? You've had us all worried sick. And Saul, I got to love this answer. Go look for the donkeys. Where do you think I was? Saul paused, hoping that that would be a sufficient answer. But when his uncle doesn't reply to that, Saul knew he had to tell his uncle about Samuel. And so he said, well, when we saw that they were nowhere, when we couldn't figure out where they were, we came to Samuel. Now that got Saul's uncle's attention. He was curious when Samuel's name came up. And so he says, well, tell me, I pray. I mean, that's pretty crazy. He's the most famous guy in all of Israel. What? What happened there? And so Saul said to his uncle, well, he told us plainly that the donkeys were found. That's why we're home. But of the matter of the kingdom, whereof Samuel spoke, he did not tell him. So Saul doesn't reveal everything, just enough to get his uncle off his back. So verse 17, and Samuel called the people together unto the Lord to Mizpah. Mizpah is the same place, if you remember, five years earlier where Israel made things right with the Lord and they defeated the Philistines. And he called them together unto the Lord. I love this. He reminds them, you asked for a king, but God will always be your ruler. Not me, not a judge, not any king. He's going to lead you into this next phase. And he said unto the children of Israel, verse 18, thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Here's God's message to you on this very important day. It's a short message. I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all kingdoms and of them that oppressed you. That is a short message. But it's an important reminder. 
One of the easiest mistakes to make is forgetting who got me where I am. It's a very easy mistake to make. And reminding them of this truth is all God has to say to them in this momentous change. I have to tell you that when I was studying this and I read that, I had to pause for a minute. I said, Lord, how many times have I forgotten that truth? That I'm where I am right now only because of you. Because of all the messes that you've gotten me out of that I put myself in. You and I cannot do anything without the Lord. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Nothing is a very complicated word in the Greek. It means no thing. No thing. You can do no thing without me. Not a single thing. But how often do we go about without taking time to hear from him? To actively let him direct our lives? You know, humility, first off, means being real with myself. It means recognizing my ever-present need for the Lord. And the Bible is full of beautiful promises for the person who has that kind of a humble heart. We read in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, the famous one that probably all of you could quote it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not in your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. It's a simple, beautiful promise to take him into account in all that we do. And so we lean into you, Lord, to not lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways to acknowledge you, knowing you'll direct our paths. Thank you, Lord, for hearing every heart that's praying that. In Jesus' name. Amen. This has been In the Word with Pastor Will Ramirez, a ministry of Calvary Chapel of Orlando. You can listen to all of Pastor Will's sermons and find other valuable resources online at www.calvarychapelorlando.com or on the Calvary Chapel Orlando app, available on iTunes and Google Play. If you have any spiritual or physical needs, please contact us. We would love to pray for you and assist you in any way we can. You can reach us at 407-523-0800 during our office hours, Tuesday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Thank you for joining us today. We will see you next time as we continue to learn, walk, and live in the Word. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.